The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org. All right, once again, I want to welcome you guys. I want to shout out a specific welcome to my mom and dad who are here today. They're back there in the back, waving their hand. Uh, they are in here for the week, uh, just in time for some great weather. Uh, so I think the high in Philadelphia when they left was 68. So uh, welcome to the doors. I was going to say something. I'm not going to say uh, it's very hot. Let's just say that. Um, so we are uh, going through Sermon on the Mount and uh, just a series we've been going through for a while now. And we're in Matthew chapter six today, uh, kind of toward the end, uh, the, maybe the three quarters of the way through the chapter there. And uh, so we're looking at uh, a question today. What do you treasure? And, uh, you know, growing up, I hated most rules. You see, I felt they were holding me back from having fun. And, of course, we all know that life is all about just having fun. And uh, maybe for me, that's what's made me last so long in junior high ministry. Been in there 17 years now. And uh, so having fun and getting other people to have fun with me has been pretty much a goal of one of my life, a goal of my life for many years now. And I just felt, you know, when people would tell me to not do this or not do that, you know, they're just bringing me down, you know. And and, um, I know some of you think the Enneagram's of the devil, but like if I was on the Enneagram, I think I'd be a seven, you know, just wanting to have a party. We're always having a party. Let's do it, right? And so for us, uh, some of us in this room, we feel that when the rules come up, um, that's just the person not really understanding our life mission, which is to have fun. And sometimes those fun-having activities can break some rules. Uh, So here's something that's awesome about Jesus. He doesn't just give rules just for giving rules. He doesn't just give commands just for giving commands. He takes it further and instead of saying, just don't do this, he takes it further and says, I don't want you to do this, but do this instead because this will last forever. What you're doing now is temporary. What you're doing now is focused on the wrong thing. Let me redirect your attention. So Jesus follows up his instruction on fasting and giving the Lord's Prayer with some specific and convicting commands concerning what we treasure. He actually takes the concept in the first few verses of Matthew 6 in the beginning of this chapter and hammers it home in verse 19 through 24 that we're going to look at today. Now I have to apologize in advance for you detailed people because we're actually going to read out of order today. I know that's crazy. But look at verse 21. Verse 21 is important to cover before we get into the rest of our passage. It says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your heart reveals what you treasure. So before we get into the commands, I think it's good to think about the heart and and what we treasure. Maybe when you hear the word treasure, your first instinct like mine is to think of like uh, maybe a ride in Disney. Uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean. And you think of Jack Sparrow and his treasure, and he's just sitting there on his treasure enjoying himself uh, with all the loot that he got, and maybe we picture treasure that way. And that's really not necessarily what we're talking about today, but that is the first thing that popped in my head. 
So what do you treasure? Maybe more specifically or more effectively, what would your family say you, tre you treasure? Uh, what does your bank account say you treasure? Uh, we think about the heart, the word heart. Of course, we can understand that in Scripture, when it talks about the heart, it's not normally talking about the organ that pumps blood through your body. When we're talking about the heart, it's talking about the, deeper, the deepest recesses of who you are, what makes you tick, uh, who you are, the true you when no one else is around without any masks or, or Instagram filters or anything like that, the real you. That's the heart. And so this heart reveals what we treasure. And so maybe we can ask ourselves also, what is my heart focused on? Now, it could be good things like our kids, but maybe out of order. It could be exercise, which is good. Maybe entertainment, which is good in moderation, you know, stuff and things. Or maybe it's not a physical thing. Maybe it's an emotional thing where you just, you treasure no conflict. You treasure peace in your family. You treasure things that go smoothly. And so we all treasure things, and it depends on what it is, but... Popping up to verse 19, we can see that Jesus says, don't make earthly treasure a priority. He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. So what is treasure? Maybe I could give some examples of earthly treasure, even though they may be small starting out, maybe a progression of treasure in your life, a person's life, a hypothetical person, or maybe you. It starts out possibly with a binky. You know, one of our daughters, I won't say which one, but was obsessed with a binky. And we had to steal it away from her and just uh, rip it off like a Band-Aid because she was obsessed with it. That was probably her first treasure, you know. She, she had that binky and she wanted to hold it and keep it and no one take it from me. Maybe it moves on to a teddy bear or, or maybe into a matchbox car, a dollhouse, an Xbox, a PlayStation, maybe clothing, a bike, an iPad, maybe some fresh J's, maybe an iPhone, an Apple Watch, maybe uh, a laptop, a car, maybe a house, a boat, retirement. I don't know. But there's lots of things that progress in our treasures that oftentimes they get more expensive as they go. But we have these treasures in our lives. And so we're pursuing things. As humans, that's kind of what we do. We're wired to pursue, to chase down, to acquire. And so we have to be careful because of the way we're wired in our human form. We have to remember, hey, there are things that can really get out of whack when it comes to treasures. So this pursuit, what's it really about? Is it really about the thing? I mean, use my daughter, for example, that binky. Is it really about that cheap green thing that the, the hospital gave her? We didn't buy those fancy ones. It was just that green thing. Was it about that or was it about how it made her feel? And so our treasures, we get wrapped up in the treasure part, but we really don't see sometimes that it actually is more about a feeling, how it makes us feel, a sense of security, uh, a sense of legacy that I'm going to leave something for my children or I'm going to have my name on the side of a building or whatever it is. We, we get our treasures mixed up, maybe pride, and we kind of start 
going a different direction. So the root of all these treasures, what is the root of all these pursuits? And what it really comes down to is idolatry. You can call it a lot of different things, ambition and different things like that, but the reality is when it comes down to it, if you obsess over something uh, to an ultimate level above your relationship with Jesus, then it is idolatry. And we need to call it for what it is. Now, I don't know if any of you have seen this show, but sometimes we'll watch this show together, my wife and I, and as a detailed, uh, organized person, she likes watching it, but also makes her twitch. It's a show, Hoarders. I know some of you have probably seen it before, and one we watched recently, we don't watch it much, but it just happened, we happened to turn on the TV, there it was, and uh, this one was the worst I've ever seen. Barely open the door, and when you walk in, you don't walk in, you walk up. And you walked up over this mound, and you were, this lady was balancing herself on the ceiling to walk through her living room, walking on her stuff. And every single room in that house and another house that she owned that was being condemned in that episode was also filled with things. But you know what? A lot of it was junk. A lot of it was, we'd consider trash, but it was something that made her feel good. It was security. Maybe she didn't have a lot growing up. And that was where she found her security. So for us, we have to see these things that bring a certain feeling, they often become idols in our lives. So where does that leave us when we're participating in idolatry? Sometimes we get in the Old Testament, we're like, man, these people are idiots making a golden calf. What's wrong with them? But then we got to really consider, hold up. I have my golden calf too. I actually have more than one, right? So where does that leave us? It leaves us, this pursuit leaves us with the lack of trust in God, worry, fear. We get so consumed with these earthly treasures, we get handcuffed to anxiety and worry over them. And so they just kind of handcuff us to this constant thought about our stuff and what it's giving us and what we don't have. And we get this lack of commitment in our lives. Think about financially, that being committed to being generous when possibly we, we have a surprise surgery come up or unexpected expenses, uh, kids going off to college, I can relate, this year, first one. You know, where things happen or maybe we even do it to ourselves where we just spend too much or we say yes to too many things and we get pinched even though we make good money, we're still pinched. So we lack commitment of being generous because of our issues with treasures. And oftentimes we simply fail to rest in what Paul said about God in Philippians 4.19. He says, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. God has all the riches. He's gonna supply needs. It doesn't mean that you won't Maybe sometimes want for something or maybe sometimes not be hungry. But he will supply. And another thing it does to us, it makes us sick with comparison and jealousy. When we go after the wrong treasures, it leads us to work longer hours just to keep up, to neglect our family and, and, and to get after this stuff because we have to maintain what we've created in our lives to the point of comparing to others. Oh, well, they got a new boat. 
Or so-and-so got a bigger house. My house is old. Why don't I get one? And we start comparing our things to others. We have messed up priorities and obsessions and we neglect what's important. Can you see why I didn't like rules growing up? If we were left here, it would be depressing. We're getting to the good stuff in a minute. But he does say something about moth and rust. I was gonna give you a thieves break in and steal, but I used that illustration about a year ago. My truck got broken into, someone smashed my window, stole my laptop and three passports. Uh, But that was a different illustration. This one involves this ball, the moth and the rust. See, I started playing basketball at about four years old. Uh, My dad uh, got me in early because he volunteered to coach. If you volunteer to coach, you can pretty much do anything. And so I got on the five and six-year-old team when I was four and got to play and started my love of this game. Now, I love basketball. There's nothing wrong with it. I still play it uh, as often as I can, which isn't much, but I, I enjoy it. I enjoy what it can teach me. But it got to the point, especially in my high school years, where I was obsessed to the point of it being an idol, something I treasured. And one of the things that happened was, uh, you know, as I, I played and, and played on this team, I, my brother is two years ahead of me, and we got to play together at this small Christian school, so I got to play my ninth and 10th grade year with him, and he uh, broke the scoring record. Now. I want you to understand, before you get crazy and think I should be in the NBA right now, uh, it's a small Christian school, it wasn't that old, the the records weren't lofty, like 2,000 points, but uh, either way, I was still obsessed with breaking my brother's record, right? So I was focused on smashing this record, it was like 1,000 in some points, and so I get to the point where I would obsess over it to the point where I knew how much how many points I needed going into my senior year. I knew how many points I needed to average roughly on the games we were gonna play. And so I'd check the scorebook. I know none of you checked the scorebook. Why does she never check the scorebook, did you? Uh, I checked the scorebook after each game to see how many points I had. So it began to be an obsession and I ended up breaking the record, but that's not really the point. The point is this ball. If you can see it on the screen, but you can see it in person, it's just really falling apart. And it's interesting, uh, my parents told me a few years ago that it was in their attic collecting dust and they handed it to me and I took it home to do what? It's in my closet doing what? Collecting dust till it became an illustration for this sermon today. It's not in some special case or anything. Hey kids, look what I did, right? It's just collecting dust and falling apart and even as I touch it, I feel the fibers falling onto the stage but it represents something, right? It represents the moth and rust, and if I treasure and I continue to treasure this thing and this accomplishment, I don't realize, hey, this thing's fading away. Some of you have that in your house. You got those trophies and your kid like threw a ball and broke the arm off, but you still have it around, things like that. We get obsessed to things, and the reality is we make it into idols. You know, I don't know what represents idol worship in your life, but I will say it's definitely not a bad thing to take some time this week to really consider what are these idols that I treasure? What do I need to confess and sacrifice back to God and say I'm, I'm done with that? So verse 20, here we go. It says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, but verse 20 says, but... Here's the good part. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. There is hope for our treasures if we treasure the right thing. It's eternal. 
See, Jesus doesn't leave us, as we mentioned earlier, with just the negative command. He says, I'm giving you a positive one. Lay up. And so lay up, not related to basketball, different lay up, is for us to understand it's different in the sense that we can see examples of people in Scripture who follow these rules, and not rules, but commands and encouragements from Jesus. And one is Moses. Some, of the, some details I read on this topic of Moses' life, especially when he was young, Hebrews 11, 25, and 26 explains it well. It says about Moses, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. You see, given the Hebrews' enslavement at the time, Moses, if you don't know the story, uh, was basically hidden so that he wouldn't be killed, hidden by his family, discovered by Pharaoh's daughter, welcomed into this adopted family that was filthy rich. The Pharaoh welcomed him in, and he had every right as a son of Pharaoh to enjoy all that was offered. I don't know about you, but it was a lot of riches But Moses, instead, he chose to be mistreated. He rejected this privilege as a royal son because why? He saw it was better to be mistreated with the people of God than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, and he was looking to the reward. So maybe we can ask ourselves, what reward are we looking toward? Because if it's athletics, it's great. It feels good to be patted on the back, encouraged, hit that home run, whatever it is. Great. Don't get me wrong. I love sports. I love activities. I told you already, it's all about fun for me. So I, I do get obsessed with these things at times. And even as I studied, I was convicted so much about this. But the reality is it's It's something we have to consider. What reward are we looking for? And sometimes even scripturally, we have to be careful. Because scripture talks about crowns and and rewards and things like that, and sometimes even our own lives, we get obsessed with that in the sense that we impose uh, human thoughts onto our eternity and really are chalking up, oh, I got this crown now, I got this one, I got this one in heaven, and that's really not why God's mentioning uh, crowns. Really, the ultimate reward is getting to spend eternity with your creator, with his son, with the spirit that we get to fellowship. That is our great reward. And so Tim Keller, he gives us some great insights on everything, but specifically here, he says, whatever your heart most treasures is where your money will go so effortlessly. That's pretty convicting. Whatever your heart most treasures is where your money will go so effortlessly, if I can say that right. He gave an example, and I kind of twist a little bit to to fit here. He gave this example. The idea is this. You ever been invited somewhere, let's say maybe a concert, okay? And you're invited to this concert, and your friend really wants you to go. You know, like one of those lame concerts, like Taylor Swift or something like that. And you're invited to go, but you don't know how much it is, but you're already committed. You said, yeah, I'm going to go. Yeah, let's do this. But you didn't realize like, you're going to have to, like, take out a loan to go to this concert. And so uh, you end up going, but you weren't really into this singer anyway, but you're just going for the friendship, you know, because they invited you. So this mindset to you is, I wasn't all in with this, so as I'm experiencing it, I'm also, like, not even really enjoying it. 
You know, I'm there, but I'm thinking dollar signs. How much did I spend on this thing? Some of you think about that at Disney when you're bringing your kids there. Uh, but that's a different argument and maybe hurts in the past. Uh, but the idea is that maybe we're not all into this situation. But on the contrary, on the other hand, uh, for me personally, uh, I like to go watch the Eagles play and I like to meet up with my brother and, and two of my friends and, and we'll go watch the Eagles play and we've gone up to uh, Washington, D.C. to watch the Eagles spank the uh, former Redskins, now the Commanders, right? And, you know, I get a flight up there, usually use miles for that, but I have to get a hotel. Uh, we, we cook out, you know, tailgate and things like that. But as I do that, I'm not clicking dollars signs in my head. Maybe after I get back and look at my statement, maybe I'm like, oh, wow. Uh, but at the time, I'm like, I'm in it, right? I'm invested in it. I like it. I enjoy it. So I really don't consider the cost. There's really no effort. Unlike the other thing, there was this concert that was so expensive, I didn't even want to be at anyway. So it helps us understand what are we invested in, and if we're really treasuring the right thing, then we can be generous, and it's not a big deal. We can give to God's work here at church. We can give overseas or locally to others that are in need, maybe a family member who's just stuck in, in trouble, and we can just be generous because that's who Jesus is, and that's who God is. See, when you come to truly know Jesus and become a great supporter of the kingdom of God and not all he's doing around the world, you embrace the fact that all he has blessed you with is still his. And that you're just a steward of it. And then giving sacrificially will be one of your highest joys in life. To add up how much you gave away. Not to boast, but just to say it was a privilege. So where does this leave us instead of anxiety, worry, competitiveness, comparison, pride, stress? This type of attitude leaves us peace, contentment, satisfaction, looking toward our great reward. What a great place to live, but one that we often don't live at because we're trapped by the things of the world. Verse 22 and 23, Jesus gives a masterful metaphor concerning how sick we are. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So some of you somehow brag about your eyesight, like you did something to deserve it, right? I got 20-20 vision, you know? And uh, obviously I don't. Uh, and I don't like people that brag about it because, you know, then I get jealous. But... We brag about it, but Jesus says, you know, we all have a disease of the eyes, all of us in this room, no matter how good your physical vision is. And take this, for example. Some of you have seen this eye exam chart, possibly. You were familiar with it. Some of you are doctors in this field, and you've seen this chart before. It's kind of an interesting story. I brought my daughter, Kendall, last year, uh, about a year ago, to get her permit. And all the appointments around here were taken, so I had to go to Hearn an hour away just to get this appointment. So we get there, and we're filling out the paperwork, and this lady's across from us, sweet lady, just kind, helping us out. And uh, filling out the paperwork, and then we see this chart, and I'm like, oh, she has my vision, which is I can't see that screen in the back too well either, and so she, of course, didn't bring her glasses. And so she's an hour away, 
having to take this test and she can't get her permit if she doesn't read those, you know, bottom lines very well. So I'm like, hey, we have the same prescription. I'm talking to the lady. I'm like, we have the same prescription. Does she borrow my glasses? She's like, no, that's illegal. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, man, at least I tried. So she starts reading, and it's just comical. I wish I could have videoed more of it, but I think I videoed some of it possibly just to send my wife. But she starts reading and gets to just like the third or fourth line and starts saying words or letters that don't even look like that letter, right? It's like an E is like, uh, you know, I don't know, a G. I have no idea, but she's just spelling off letters, just guessing. And the lady's like, fortunately for us, is empathizing. She goes, hey, man, I, I have kids your daughter's age. Kind of roasting my daughter right in front of her. But she's like, they forget things, too. And basically, she's saying they're idiots, too. But I would never say that about my daughter. But in this situation, she's like, never has her glasses. Where are your glasses? Where? Anyway, sorry. Sorry, Kendall. But uh, the point, what happened there is she had grace on us and actually gave her a permit. I'm not saying her name, get her fired, but she had Kendall has her permit. And so what this made me think of is this, in this eye problem, this eye disease. Spiritually, if we're believers, we get satisfied with what the world has to offer. So we're also satisfied spiritually with the big letters spiritually, like Jesus loves me. That's a great concept. John 3.16, for God saw the world, one of the greatest verses in all the Bible, that he gave his only son. But oftentimes we get so satisfied spiritually with the big letters that we don't get you know, some kind of spiritual LASIK or glasses to see the deeper treasures and riches that are found in scripture and found in a relationship with God that is a deeper one. And so we just get happy reading the top letters and satisfied with milk and baby food spiritually because these treasures of the world sap all the other energy we have to really grow deeper and spend time on it because we're doing all this other stuff that doesn't matter. And we have an eye problem, as Jesus says. We all have this disease. It's chasing after treasures that don't matter. We all need eye surgery, and the only one who can perform it is God himself. So this next verse, uh, verse 24, the final one, um, there's a picture up here, I think it's of coffee mugs. And there's a lot of coffee mugs out there and a lot of coffee mug scriptures, right? These cheesy, not cheesy, I'm sorry I said that, but like cheesy things that we do where we take things out of context. So I can do all things through Christ. You're not gonna win every game of every sport you play, just so you don't, in case you didn't know that. Uh, with God, all things are possible. Well, there's context, right? Good coffee mug verses. Love never fails. There's so much depth there if you look at the whole passage, but oftentimes people just slap them on a coffee mug and make themselves feel good. Well, verse 24, I encourage you to get a coffee mug with this on it. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Put that on a t-shirt. That'd be great. You see, we like to toy with both. You serve God and money. Hey, I give lots away, right? I make a lot of money, but I give a lot away. 
But I also have these treasures, and sometimes the treasures trump what I give, and so, but I still make up for it. And uh, don't get me wrong, I do the same thing. And we toy with it, we ride the fence, so to speak, and we become, like James says, in James 1.8, we become double-minded in all our ways. See, Jesus doesn't give an option. The simple reality is we all have the choice to be devoted to something And Jesus says it is impossible to ride the fence. You cannot serve God in money. You cannot. And so we see a challenge here when it comes to our treasures. So a few questions. What occupies your mind? What do you think about when you're by yourself? What do you daydream about? Where do your finances go? And some of you are like, good question, Tim. I don't know where they went. Where do your thoughts go? What do you treasure? Uh, think about, uh, I was in line, my, my wife and I were in line, the store, I can't get into it, asked me how I got some crazy deals this past week because I love, I'm a, I'm a, uh, a son of uh, the most amazing deal getter in our presence today. So I'd love to tell you about it. Stumbled on this store that was having this crazy sale, but the line wrapped around the back and we almost just left. But then we're like, hey, it's this good, we need to stay. I have no idea what's going on. We gotta see what it's about. So we're in line and these two ladies behind us, they're hanging out, shooting the breeze. Candace is staying in the car for a little bit getting some extra AC. And uh, she texts me, go, you make any friends yet? I'm like, of course I did. I'm a seven, right? So we're just hanging out and here's these ladies. We're killing time. What are you, what are you guys doing? And they go on to tell me about their obsession with tiki bars. No lie, I mean a list, a bucket list of tiki bars around the world that they have on their list to go to before they die. Telling me about one in Austin, like I live there, like you gotta go. A Disney Imagineer built it. And I'm like, whoa, okay, I'm there, you know, whatever. But it's like, but look, this is their treasure. This is their obsession. And this is what they wanna do before they die. Now, they may not be believers, and you can't fault them for that, because they don't know the the true treasure, the greatest reward ever, then, of course, you're gonna follow after things. You, You get community from that, you know? There's Facebook groups all over for everything to find community in things. So you can't fault someone for not, that doesn't know Jesus, that has that as their treasure, but for us that know Jesus, We've got to reconsider our treasures. There's an illustration that I've used many times, a quote here from The Weight of Glory in C.S. Lewis. He says, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Just the conviction of that statement is so powerful. Just like those big letters in the eye chart, we're satisfied with what this measly world has to offer. 
And don't get me wrong, I love the idea of going and doing things and having fun or going out on a boat with somebody or, or going on vacation uh, different places and enjoying time with family and all those things. I'm not saying those things are bad or wrong, but if we treasure them above our eternal reward, if we treasure them and spend our time on all of them above time with Jesus, above sharing our faith, above knowing our great God, then we have an idolatry problem and we need to confess. Maybe these verses can drive this down deep home found in 1 John 2, 15 to 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. The world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. The world is passing away. And some of you, as we kind of get close to wrapping this up, you might be thinking, well, all right, I'm going to buckle down and change this time. I'm going to reject placing such a high priority on treasures. I've done it before. All right, Tim, you, from the word, you know, we've been convicted by it. I'm going to change, right? Or maybe you're thinking, ah, I've tried this before, and just like the latest diet and exercise fad, I'm going to fall and go back to my old ways. Well, I'm here to give you a little relief this morning. It's not about you buckling down and trying harder because you can't do it on your own. You can't have Jesus and uh, God himself as your king and your treasure on your own. No buckling down and trying harder is going to do it for you. You're going to keep failing. But abiding in Jesus and knowing the treasure that he is and exploring all that he has to offer, getting in deeper into the word on a daily basis where maybe get some guys or girls around you, friends that can encourage you, push you, convict you, get deeper into abiding in the word and in the son of God, guess what happens? Your treasures and what you value start to change. And even though you still have some treasures of the world, they don't mean that much to you anymore. You can still enjoy them, but it doesn't mean as much because what means the most to you is knowing Jesus. So Jesus says in Matthew 11, 28 through 30, this is why it's a little relief for you. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Ironically, giving up our lives and our search for treasures actually gives us the greatest treasure. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. The treasures he has waiting for us are way better than anything we could pursue on this earth. It's all about abiding more and more every day in the gift we have in Jesus. And as I mentioned, some of you may be here and you haven't received that gift. So you really can't understand what it means to treasure something greater than these things. But today you're being offered that gift the gift of eternal life found in the sinless Son of God. Who even though he could have stayed 
as the king and been served by so many. Instead, he didn't take that position. And as scripture says, he humbled himself in Philippians 2, became obedient unto death, even the death on the cross, to give you an eternal reward. And you can embrace that today. See, if we truly believe that Jesus is king of our lives, then our actions will change. So finally, my encouragement and challenge to you this week is to get alone with God. Read this passage over and over again. Don't just read it once and be done, but read it, meditate on it, ask God to work in you, journal about it, write out in detail the words. Ask the Spirit to give you a thorough eye exam. Confess where you failed and make a plan for something new. Ask for a focus on kingdom life and the kingdom picture and make a concrete plan to change what you treasure. Let's pray. God, we come before you, maybe some of us convicted. I know I am, because I often treasure things that don't matter, and I put them above my relationship with you. God, I pray that we'll take that conviction and not just let it go, let it slide like everything else we're convicted about. But help us to recognize it as sin. Confess it and let your yoke rest on us. That's easy. Easy not meaning that we'll have an easy life, won't have things wrong happen to us, but easy because we abide in you and we know the one who has conquered death. Lord, help us to live differently and be a light in our community. In your name we pray, amen.